Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, we are talking about learning and living outside of the box. There is a lot of talk about thinking outside the box, which is considered very desirable and beneficial when you are in the corporate world doing anything creative or starting a business and being an entrepreneur. Yet, we don't give a lot of support to what cultivates the ability to think outside the box, which is learning to think outside the box, learning in a creative and curious way so that we can find solutions and trust ourselves to harness opportunities instead of getting stuck and staring at problems. I recently came across a post in a Facebook group that talked about yet another way that parents might cause autism in their child. And it struck me both from that post, but also from the responses to that post, especially from people who are on the spectrum of how detrimental that focus is, that scaring and shaming parents into what if they do something to cause their child to have a harder time in life or cause themselves to have a harder time parenting instead of focusing on coming up with creative ways to support people and meet them where they're at so that each beautiful individual can be nurtured in their gifts in a way that honors who they are and what they can contribute to the world. I really wanted to explore this, especially because I feel like we have this fabulous opportunity with heading into summer and coming out of COVID to do things differently and, and explore what those possibilities could look like. So I invited Tiana Kubik, founder of Curious Kids Learn, to join me and share about the work that she has done personally, as well as what she does in her work to help parents be able to do that meeting their child where they're at and step outside of the boxes. Tiana is on a mission to empower families, schools, and communities to adopt educational practices that trust children to learn, and places a strong emphasis on children's mental health. She has a Bachelor of Science in Family Community Services from Michigan State University and a Master of Science in Early Childhood Education from the Erickson Institute. After teaching pre-K through kindergarten for almost 10 years, Tiana moved on to run a Chicago-based photography company with her husband and her kids in tow for the past eight years. For the last two years, they've been exploring North America through full-time living, learning, and traveling in a self-converted 2016 Sprinter van. So when we say living outside of the box, (laughs) that's what we're talking about here. In this episode, we explore what it looks like to find what works for you and your family and the problem with having a high amount of toleration, like the more you are able to fit inside boxes, the more stressful it can feel to step outside of them. But it doesn't have to be that hard and ways that we can engage that make it a little bit easier. We also explore the power of curiosity and the question, why, that quintessential child question, and understanding unschooling and the value of de-schooling, which is very much about honoring who you are and honoring who your child is 
and being able to allow them to be themselves. A lot of this is based in learning to trust yourself. So it reminded me of the conversation that I had with Shelly Robinson in episode 17 around learning to trust ourselves and how important it is that we have these conversations about trusting ourselves and stepping into doing things differently. Because as Einstein said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them, which means that learning to live as well as think outside of the box is critical to engaging the challenges of today for ourselves and for this next generation that we're raising. So without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. <laughs> Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. Welcome, Tiana, to Unlimited. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. There's so much that you do that is just so exciting. And I'm looking forward to having everybody hear about just your your journey and the way you're doing life, which is so outside the box, but like engaging the box of life and beliefs about what it's supposed to look like. And you're just disrupting all kinds of things. So before we dig in, tell the audience a little bit about you and how you got to this journey that you're on and then coming to Curious Kids Learn. Sure. My husband and I have been running a children's photography company for, I say 10 years, but that's just because my brain doesn't go past 10 years. It's probably been like 12 (laughs) years. (laughs) Um, And we had my son eight years ago. And from that point, we were a work from home family. Like he was with us. He went to every meeting. He did all the things with us. And when he was four, we had our daughter who is now four. They've always just had this life where they were around. He went to preschool for five half days, but ultimately they were, um, we, we just figured out how to live life. I could go into the long, complicated reasons with drunk babysitters and all that, where I just gave up on that. But ultimately, I just, you know, I've, I'm trying to make work what everybody says should work. Getting a babysitter, sending your kid to school, you know, having set work hours, all these things that people have said, this is what you need for your life to work. And it was not making my life work. It was actually stressing me out. And so ultimately, we were like, well, Let's just figure out for our, how our life is going to work. And while we were figuring that out, my husband sent me a picture of a van and said, hey, we should live in a van. And I was like, ha ha, we have too much stuff for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and he spent like the next three months basically just spamming me with van pictures and YouTube and all this stuff till finally I was like, okay, this is kind of sweet let's do it. So we bought a van, we made it into an RV, essentially. And end of 2018, we hopped in it and we've not looked back. Basically, we traveled all over the US, parts of Canada, we have not done Mexico, but that's like on our list. 
And the whole time we've just been homeschooling, which has led to unschooling our kids. And that's kind of where we are. We spend about 50% of our time in Chicago and 50% basically roaming around the country. (laughs) Wow. I, I have so many questions. So starting with things aren't working. You mentioned like trying to make it work and noticing that it was more stressful. What helped you step into the idea of doing it differently? Because so many people just keep pushing through to making it work in the way that the, you know, the normal, the normal way, my air quotes. (laughs) So what, what helped you take that step? I know you have a background in education. Yes. Honestly, more than the education piece was hitting like an emotional rock bottom. I'm really emotional. I cry. I'm like very, I, I struggle a lot with like anxiety and depression. And it, before I had kids, I would just struggle through it. I probably before I had kids was one of those people who would just be like, this is what it's supposed to be. And I have to be what it's supposed to be. And something for me, at least about having kids was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't show up for them as like their mom or the type of mom that I want to be if I'm over here crying because I can't find the right babysitter or the right daycare situation or whatever. And trying to figure out how I can be that, the, the mom I want them to see. And I still, to be clear, we've been in this eight years. I only show up as that mom like half the time. <laughs> I feel like parenthood is kind of, I, I heard uh, shared by someone talking about speaking, the idea that uh, you give three different speeches when when you speak. You give, there's the one that you plan, the one that you actually give, and then there's the one that you wish that you'd given afterwards. Like you're looking back, you're like, oh, I should have said this and that and the other thing. And I feel like parenthood's kind of like that. There's like the mom that you think you'll be. And then there's the mom that you actually are. And then looking back at like different scenarios, there's the mom that you're like, oh, if I had only just done this thing. Right. If I only not, the whole thing is not escalating with your child. Like that has Mm -hmm. been so ground because I'm an escalator. He gets mad and I get mad and we get mad and we're just mad. And it has been such a hard thing for me, but I've really worked last couple years of like, he gets mad and I'm like, breaks. We can't both be mad right now because that's just going to be a situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as, that was the whole thing. It's just trying to figure out. And honestly, I know it goes a lot to speak. Like we, we really set ourselves up. It's not like we had nine to five jobs because that would have been a whole thing. I, w- I, when I was pregnant with Griffin, I was getting my master's at the Erickson Institute. And we had a whole conversation about whether or not I was going to get a teaching job or whether or not we were going to continue to do business together. And if I got a teaching job, it probably would have been a lot more of a discussion about like, well, what about, you know, all these other things, but because we had already lined ourselves up as like, we already work together, we already can work from anywhere without having this goal of traveling it seemed like a natural progression to go into it. But ultimately, it just like, I've always felt like I never felt well with the shoulds, even when it comes to like, religious things and things like that when I was younger and like hearing things and not let like things just didn't sit well with me with what people told me I should believe or do. And so 
I've always just been with some things been like, well, I'm skeptical. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that why, why, why? (laughs) My mom will tell you, my mom will tell you. And I was like four, that was my favorite question. And here I am at 40 and still I'm like, well, why does it have to be the way to do it? And I get very skeptical about when people would give advice about like, even down to like, you have to have a date night every week. And I would feel like, oh my God, we don't go out to restaurants every week without our kids. Like we put the kids to bed and we watch movies together. And I'm like, is that a date night? Am I not doing this right? And then I had to be like, well, am I happy with it? Are we, mm-hmm. are we happy with our date night being movies when the kids go to bed and sitting around and talking? Like, or are we unhappy with that? And we need to go out. Even now, like I get in this really weird space where people want to ask me to, t- to like to they ask me, what should I do with my child? And I'm like, what we do with our children and what we do in our family may not be what you need to do. So I'm not going to tell you, you have to unschool your kid and you have to like let them decide all the time what they want to do. I don't do that. Like there are unschoolers, pure unschoolers who really let their children lead every educational decision. And I'll tell you that we don't let them lead every single educational decision. And so I would never tell another parent that they shouldn't be on a certain road or they shouldn't make a certain decision because it's not the one that we made. And I think that that's the the biggest driver of most of the decisions I make is to pull back from what the podcast or the book or (laughs) the thing is telling me that I should want my life to be and be like, well, what do I really want it to be? And do I really care? If other people think that's not right. <laughs> yes. I, oh my gosh. What I hear in that is extremely powerful. That idea of what you were saying before with being unhappy and having a lot of emotions. You know, one of the things that I'll talk a lot about is how important emotions are in informing about what's going on inside of us. Something that comes up a lot with clients is this idea of, well, I'm able to manage. I was able to manage it until this certain point. And it's like, what if managing it is part of the problem? And what I'm hearing within what you're saying is like, instead of doing the shoulds and managing within the shoulds, being able to get curious, just Mm -hmm. like, you know, that idea of, of being curious with your kids and going, well, but why? What's the purpose in this? How do I feel about my life and about what I'm doing and, and letting that guide the action instead of all of the external noise that we can take in those that might be interesting ideas that we wouldn't have thought of, but like, mm-hmm. I, have you read the, the dog man books? Yeah, it's like our favorite series. We yeah. read it like every night. <laughs> I, I think about cat kid in those books and I never saw the value in I shouldn't say I've never seen the value in the why, but like my sister, I have a younger sister, used to drive me bonkers asking why. She would ask why, and and she's told me later that she used to ask why to annoy me. So (laughs) at first it would start with a why because she wanted to know, but then it would turn into a why just because it drove me crazy. But reading those books and how Cat Kid asks his dad why, And as the answer evolves, you get deeper and deeper into the why, either revealing something that doesn't make any sense. And he has to face that of, oh, that (laughs) doesn't make any sense. Or revealing the underlying reason that can guide 
better answers. And I love that approach as you're talking about like your own process and how much it informs the way you show up with this idea of being curious with your kids. I am wondering from there, you started this business. How do you engage that with other people and help them get to that place? Because it's so easy with parenting to like want to put it into a box because we want to do it right. We don't want to screw our kids up. So what does that look like? I think, so first of all, my favorite thing about Cat Kids Wise is that the wise, and you think about it in life and especially with your own kids, the whys seem like they're for cat kids. Like he wants to understand. And almost always the whys end up with Petey understanding. And it's like, cat kids actually the wisest character in the whole right? world. <laughs> and the thing, the thing that's really interesting about working with parents is that most of the things that I'm coaching them on are things they already know. Like they all come onto the calls and they're like, my kids love nature. They learn best here. They learn best here. They learn best here. And then they go, but here's all the expectations and here's all the things we have to do. And so it's not like I'm, for the most part, only once did I have a parent say that they didn't know what their seven-year-old was into. And I'm like, they're like, they're into yelling and hugs. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, let's dig into yelling and hugs. <laughs> right? Oh my god, I love it. So like I'm like there's there's something there. I'm like It I sounds can, like my 7-year-old. <laughs> I like I can find the interest in almost anything. I can find the the reason or like the what what drives that child in almost any child. You can tell me like the most basic thing and I'll be like here's where those stem off to, right? The the yeller and hugger, maybe they want to be an actress. Maybe they want to you know, there's all these things. So I don't have to usually tune people in to what is already there. They already see it. I'm more so a lot of people, I think, think I feel like I'm giving them the permission yeah. to let it go. They need someone externally to tell them because you get the teachers. I even have a few teacher people in my life who I've heard be like, especially in the pandemic, parents are doing this, 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 this. And I'm like, it's a pandemic. Like, <laughs> their kids are alive and they show up on a screen. Like sometimes they're doing good, right? And so they have teachers and probably doctors and probably their parents and probably like their friends who don't necessarily have the same openness telling them all the ways in which they will screw their kid up if they let go of these societal expectations. And all they need is one person to go, no, it's fine that your child does not take standardized tests and do all these things. It's fine to let that go. And it's also fine to not let that go if you feel that because of your, you have to work or because you just think that they need school, it's fine to send them there. And then when they're home with you, teach them to wash that off, teach mm -hmm. them to approach, like maybe you feel they need to do those things. You can still help them do those things and not let that take over who they are, which is, I think what we've done to kids is that the academics is who they are. Yes. And it doesn't matter that this is what I love about what we the relationship we have with our son. He plays the ukulele. He loves Legos and Minecraft. He's a very engineering 
kind of kid. And that is who he is. And that is what we lead like 80% of our decisions with, as opposed to he struggles with reading. He struggles um, with a little bit of like some social emotional stuff. And in school, it would be calls and conferences about the fact that he doesn't read at grade level and he has, you know, ADHD and dyslexia. And we'd be having all these meetings about those things and the things that make him who he is that he is great at would be like the thing he does for like 15 minutes after school, right? It wouldn't be weighed equally. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can still send your child to school And then when they come home and their time with you, you can still frame that time as I value who you are. I value all the things outside of your academic ability. And that's what's important. I'm always talking to parents about that and that you don't have to you don't have to choose to homeschool or choose to unschool in order to buy into the ideals that come with unschooling and homeschooling. It's just those are the main ways that those things are happening. Self-directed education is happening at home because in most schools, it doesn't happen. And so any parent that feels that that's right for their child feels that they have to choose something differently. But we can advocate for something different in schools too. Yes. There's so many philosophies, Reggio Emilia, Waldorf, I could go on, (laughs) all these philosophies that do buy into it. And so it's not unheard of. It's just American society does not buy into it. And so it seems it's a homeschool thing because that's what you have to choose to do to fully embrace it. But there's a full spectrum. Like there's a whole spectrum of, you know, in the same way that we send our kids to school and they don't learn all of American history, right? But we don't pull them out of history class. We supplement, right? Right. We go, okay, you learned this version of history in school, and now let's learn the real version of history. Yeah. And you can do that with their social, emotional, and 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 curious learning. And you can still send them to school and still advocate for those things there. And then supplement that as opposed to tutors. <laughs> you can supplement the social, emotional learning at home to get them so that they're not hinging their entire self-worth on a standardized test or an SAT score or whatever it is that school is trying to build their character on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not just the measurable things. I so appreciate the holistic view that you take when it comes to learning. And it's not just about, it has to be one way because within the society that we have, sometimes it doesn't feel accessible to be able to pull some, pull your kid out of school and not have them go to school. Though I, I'm like, I feel like I want to dig more into the, how did you fit your life into a van? Because I feel like that (laughs) process must have opened up so many like, oh, well, if we could do that, at least that's how I, I think of it. Like if I could fit my life and with the four of us into a van, then I could do anything. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everything's such a rabbit hole. Like, I feel like even unschooling, you know, we started, we didn't start out thinking we were going to be unschoolers. We started out being like, well, we're going to travel in a van and we're going to homeschool. And I looked at all the curriculums. I looked at all the online schools. I looked at all the things and they all sound fantastic, but none of them sounded exactly right. And so, and this, but so, and so I started with little bits, like 
we did some curriculums and then a little unschooling. And unschooling is really more so about the child's voice. So it's like the more I let him have a say, he doesn't make all the decisions, but he has a big chunk of a, I say him because my daughter is four. So I feel like we're testing it all out on Griffin. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the burden of the older child, I say, as an older child. But actually, before you you dig into that, I do want to say, because like, we didn't talk about like, what is unschooling? And I'd love for you to share like, what is unschooling in general? But I can tell there's a kind of take what you like and leave the rest sort of experience that you bring to your process. But like, (laughs) so for people who don't know, what does that mean to unschool? Right. So unschooling, it sounds scary because it sounds like you are not teaching your children. But uh, the better term that a lot of people started using is self-directed education. Mm. And so on the furthest side of it, children are deciding what classes, what they learn, when they learn it, how they learn it, all of it. And you as a parent are acting as a facilitator for what that child wants to learn. You don't teach them to read unless they have said, it's time for me to learn to read. And so this is where I'm not on that full spectrum. I love it. I have no bad things to say about full spectrum. It's my own, you know, we all have our own baggage. We all have our own things that like, I'm maybe going to introduce some things that they're not going to be totally voicing that they want to, they want to learn. So like reading and math are things that I introduce daily to them. And we work through daily, regardless of whether or not they say they want to do it. I do. There have been days, many days where they feel like I don't want to do it. And I, I'm not forceful, you know, and I try and work them through it. Like, Hey, let's do a little bit. Let's negotiate it. But I'm not like, you have to do this and here are your deadlines. And this is the curriculum that we're using and you have to follow through with, with it. So that's basically unschooling, self-directed education. You can get this in schools. There's democratic schools where the kids are voting on things. And it looks different than homeschool because it's more than one kid, but they are voting. They are really focused on how the group functions together and makes decisions together. And I also know that there are a lot of teachers within like the public school system who have adopted these things into their classrooms as they can mm-hmm. meshed with the system that they have to answer for. So it's like, it's not something, it's not a homeschool philosophy. That's just the way that the trend has gone recently. But Reggio Amelia, if you look her, her philosophies up, um, is one that goes with like a more democratic way of doing things or project-based where you're really paying attention to what the kids are interested in and maybe voting on like what the next thing you're going to learn is and really taking learning and like spreading it out. It's not reading time. It's we're focusing on dinosaurs and with dinosaurs, we're going to read about dinosaurs, count dinosaurs. We're going to do history about dinosaurs and all these things based on the children's interests. So that's kind of the full spectrum of unschooling. But like you said, I'm all about looking at everything and just picking what you think fits. And I talk a lot about unschooling because I think it's one of the least talked about things. And I think it's the thing that could use the most normalizing. Mm -hmm. And it's the most, it's the closest fit to what we do in our life. But by no means are we like 100% unschoolers. You know, as you're talking, I can totally see how 
that philosophy could apply. And what I'm hearing within that is like taking some frameworks, but really listening and being present to learning and, and, and trusting yourself like as a parent, but also trusting your kids as little mm-hmm. humans to tell you about who they are and, and what they're like. And that, you know, they don't have to fit into a box to be able to contribute value into the world and all of that. And like, that's, I think that's super yeah. important, no matter whether they're getting some of that boxiness either at home or at school. I feel like there would be some challenges within that. And I think more like, you know, big PD challenges, <laughs> like yeah. having to really listen. I am curious, what have you seen for yourself or maybe with a client that has been one of the personal challenges with engaging that way of doing parenting and schooling? So one of the terms that goes with unschooling, but I think it should go with any homeschooling or any break from school is de-schooling. And that's the action of breaking those ties. Basically what you're thinking of is kind of like vacation, maybe not as fun, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but you really, for us, we kind of did it naturally before we knew what it was. But once we stopped going to school, it was what time do you naturally wake up? What time do you naturally get hungry? What do you naturally do throughout your day when you don't have work, school, you know, appointments dictating what you do and letting go of the ideals that school has placed there? Even now, even the fact that I like make my children read and I'm concerned that at eight, my son's not reading up to where I think he should be. I will totally tell you, I talk to myself daily about, about letting this go, you know, and I get that that's very, they say schoolish. It's a very schoolish way to think that there's a marker he has to meet when really there isn't a marker he has to meet, right? The markers are made up. <laughs> and so de-schooling is letting go for the kids, but also letting go for the parents. Think of any transition where if you hopped from one activity straight to another activity, you would probably have a hard time. But if in between those activities, you like cleansed your mind and got yourself ready to start something different, you would be more ready for it. So that's part of de-schooling, but it's also ongoing. And so I find that whenever we're feeling a little like frustrated, we have to take a break and we basically de-school all over again. And I think most of what parents struggle with is their own ability to let go and their ability to, and I still struggle with this, answer to people who haven't let go. Mm. And so they feel like even down to, I take my children to like the doctor and their first questions are, what grade are you in? And, you know, can you read this and all these things? And so I've, I've actually trained my children to say, I'm homeschooled and we don't do grades. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> And if it's really necessary, like if they, this person seems stuck that they don't know what box to put my kid in, I will answer and I'll be like, well, technically he would be a second grader, but we don't assign him in our house what a grade. Same with my daughter. Like there's no, you're a preschool. I don't even know. I don't even know what I would say, especially because there's some things that like technically they'd probably be like a fourth grader, but then there's other things that they might be more like a first grader. I've never tested them to know which of these boxes they fit in, but Mm society is very much set up for boxes. And so if you're not accustomed to speaking up that you don't fit in those boxes, 
it can be really hard to go through your day to day. And if you're very much, I think part of it is that we have this band life. And so we are different in that. And so even with that, we already don't fit in the box. And so the unschooling part is just one more box you don't fit in. But if you are going through most of the daily things that society has, you're going to run into lots of places where people are trying to figure out what box you fit in. And it can be very frustrating to constantly have to be like, we don't fit in the box. We don't fit in the box. We don't fit in the box (laughs) to every, every person and then have to explain why you don't fit in the box and then have them judge why you don't fit in the box. And so I think that that's a lot of struggles for people is just where I feel stress being in the box. I think some people initially feel stress of not being in the box. Like there's no comfort of, of doing what everybody else is doing. And so it's hard for them to feel okay, not doing those things and feel comfortable. Even for me, like when we first started, I didn't have the words to explain. It took a lot of learning on my part to learn how to explain to people in the shortest amount of words, why we don't fit in their box. Yeah. Because then, you know, when, when my son was at Waldorf, I'd be like, he'd go to the doctor and they'd be like, what letter is this? And Waldorf, when they're preschool, they don't do letters and numbers. And so I'm in the eye doctor, like, Brooke went to Waldorf for two years. And then Waldorf, this is their, I'm like explaining the entire Waldorf (laughs) philosophy to my eye doctor. So they know that I'm not a bad parent who doesn't want my kid to read. This is just the philosophy that we've chosen. And the philosophy I've chosen doesn't line up with American society. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that can be exhausting for people. So I get like, it's a huge roadblock when you are constantly battling those things. Well, when you're trying to let go of some of those exhausting things, in general, like to add one more thing that feels like a lot to carry. You know, just hearing you share about this, it emphasizes to me the importance of that work, you know, both on an individual level, but on a societal level as far as like teaching. But there are so many people who are struggling with boxes in the world. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm glad that like Instagram just put up a place where you can put your pronouns to allow for people to to identify what box you want to be in, or if you don't want to be in one, like, what does that look like for you? And there's so much harm in boxes in the world and in our society. There's just, there's so much in that. And it sounds like this work hits multiple layers of importance in deprogramming. I think there's a, there's a natural desire to understand how do we relate but that perhaps the ways that we've defined those relationships aren't working. And going back to that, why, why is it because you're supposed to do it that way? Like, am I supposed to go on the date night because that's what I'm supposed to do? Cause otherwise everything is bad, but is it, is it, is it, is it bad? Like maybe, maybe it's not, maybe what works for you and could we maybe honor what works for you and what works for me at the same time and have it be different, maybe that's okay. Maybe yeah. it doesn't have to be a box. It doesn't have and, and that like I struggle with social media and being on it, but that's <laughs> yeah. I think we all do. Uh, but that's my driving force because for staying on it and and posting our good, our bad, our ugly, and all that is that I want to normalize that you can do different. And my biggest, my bigger thing, because I know when we first started homeschooling, 
and with living in the van, you get two sides. You get people who think it's amazing, or I've had people be like, your kid's going to be a genius being homeschooled. And you get people on the other side who think that like, it's abusive to homeschool your kids or something crazy, right? (laughs) And really, it's like in the middle, like, and, and no one questions things like school or I don't know, what's the the regular living, apartment, house living, and the ups and downs of that. But if you have ups and downs of things that don't fit in the box, suddenly people are like, well, that's why you shouldn't live in a van. (laughs) And it's like, well, no, like- I want to explain this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and, and what you're saying, like, I want to know that what I'm doing is okay. If it's different from you, like, there's just, there's so much there. We could probably spend all day talking Probably. Probably. Um, <laughs> so I, I would love for you to share a little bit, like you've started Curious Kids Learn. It's it's about helping parents be able to step into an amorphous area and find what works for them and their children. What does it look like to work with you? Right. So I am in the process of developing a few workshops. It's a little slow coming because I've been also dealing with parents in crisis with the pandemic um, in our own family crisis in the pandemic, which yes, homeschoolers are used to this, but it's still very much. It's still a pandemic. It's still a pandemic. And we still are very social people. I know that's like a myth of homeschooling. We're very social people. And so not being able to go out and meet with people and do things was hard, but hopefully over the summer, I will have a few workshops. Right now I've been doing a lot of consultations with parents who are on the fence about what they want to do. And a lot of it is me asking why (laughs) and explaining the range of uh, options out there and explaining maybe some the good and bad things that they maybe haven't thought about about all those options. And I'm happy to consult with anyone who needs help. I know right now I am doing 30 minutes free for anybody who's new and on the fence because I want to help as many people as possible for the pandemic. And I'm happy to talk with them. They can email, they can DM me. I'm really hoping to get on Clubhouse and figure out how to make some rooms and start having some talks there too. So that's probably going to come too. (laughs) Yeah. Now that us Android users are able to get on there, but we will have all the links to connect with you in the show notes. So anyone who is wanting to explore what options are out there or confused or curious about how could you find something that would work for your family, definitely check out the show notes and find Tiana and get on one of those calls, get permission to do the things and know what is possible. Cause so often, you know, we don't, we don't know what we don't know. And it can be a little overwhelming to think about doing something different, especially when you're so used to living in a box and not just a house box. <laughs> um, Society's box. Society box. Like all the <laughs> So before we finish as we wrap up, I would love for you to share what does it mean to you to be unlimited? Oh my goodness. I think it's about being open. At first I was thinking about it, it's like what other people play, like not like, you know, other people make it really, I think it's about you being open to all the ways that you can be you and feel free to be you and be the best version of you and all that stuff. And, and being open to it, not being what you thought it was supposed to be when you were like 
10 in planning your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it can be so different and it can be something you never even dreamed. Like I never had live in a van with my family as a thing to check off as success. And now I can't imagine it being any other way. And so being unlimited is just embracing and being open to every opportunity that comes at you or that you can create for yourself and taking it. I love it. Awesome. And when you want to feel unlimited, what music do you listen to? Oh my goodness. Um, we have really been loving Mondo Cosmo in our house. Oh, I don't I, know that one. No, oh, he, he, them. I don't know if it's one person or a bunch of people, but they have, uh, we really like the music. So that, and anything that talks about overcoming things and being brave, you know, mm. do you, do you really have a particular like- song that you're like, if I had to pick one? Yeah. So, so I've got two. Okay. So one is we really love the Shakira song from Zootopia oh, yeah. in our family, the try everything song. And then Adair and I in particular, like Alicia Keys, Girl on Fire. Mm. That's our mommy daughter song. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Tana, for being here and joining me and having this conversation. And I'm excited to share it with everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.